Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Derek. Well, we, uh, we took an impromptu day off last week. We did. <laughs> we had every intention to kind of come to you, give you a spring break, something to listen to as you went down maybe for the last weekend of spring break. And then my plans got changed around. You came in the day that I left, or actually the day after I left, and so we never could meet up to get it done. So we apologize to the listeners. Hope that everybody had a good spring break. Uh, and you know, from that spring break, we've got a lot to catch up on. Of course, we'll tell you kind of just briefly what you did, what I did, uh, that kind of changed things around that allowed us not to be able to record next week. But Matt, uh, how have you been doing since, uh, I guess, two weeks ago? Well, Derek, the biggest thing, we're recording here on a Wednesday afternoon, and it's not pouring down rain, which is good. It well, rained it this was morning. this morning. Yeah, it rained this morning. this morning. But no, no, no thunderstorms, the usual Wednesday thunderstorms that come through uh, did not happen uh, you know, this afternoon as we hit record. But you're right, Derek, I left town, went down for spring break. You had to change a few things around. So uh, it just kind of worked out where you are. You were out of town last Wednesday. So uh, we all deserve a break and everybody survived and we're going to be just fine. But we ended up having five shows. We would have had a fifth show during the month of March. So it kind of works itself out. So I hope everybody had a good spring break. Good to be back here under the water tower. A lot of different things to talk about. Big autumn meeting that happened uh, just yesterday. Uh, but again, Derek, had a good spring break. Glad to be back. And uh, I really like getting back from spring break because the next push is going to be graduation, push the school year, that type stuff. And then our business really, really picks up at mobile cars and vans because uh, youth pastors are putting together their final plans for travel. I mean, we booked – 35 vans in the wow. last week. Wow. That's I awesome. mean, that's it, man. I mean, hey. But, you know, Derek, the weather's starting to get a bit better. We're starting to have uh, some prettier days, starting to get good quality weather. And uh, one thing you and I talk about all the time is when the sun's shining, it feels good to get out, drive around the Hernando area. And some people may take advantage of the weather and get out and see some of the awesome new neighborhoods that are popping up all over Hernando and DeSoto County, but especially here in Hernando. I mean, there's a real nice neighborhood coming out like at, right off Jaybird. They're starting some construction, some new houses where you and I live. Yes. So a number of different things going on. Right and look, us, yeah. Right. And if you're in the market for a new home in the city of Fernando or anywhere in DeSoto County, you want to reach out and work with the best real estate team in DeSoto County. Podcast listeners know I'm speaking about Team Couch of Birch Realty Group, our 2023 presenting sponsor. Team Couch possesses over 68 years of combined real estate experience. They have thousands of closings since 2009 on the buying and selling side of residential real estate. They were also recently voted DeSoto's Best for the fifth time over spring break Derek, you and i got a text saying that again in 2022 they were the top producing team in the million dollar club it seems like our um, ad for brian and terry kind of updates itself every year it's yeah, it just makes it, easier. it makes it real easy it makes it real easy they continue to do so well in the desoto county market which um Again, you want to work with a team that's currently winning, and Team Couch or Birch Realty Group continues to. They are ranked nationally as a top-performing real estate team. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they're available anytime you need them. They are currently offering a free, no-obligation market analysis. Give them your address. They can tell you all about your zip code. They can tell you all about your neighborhood, what homes are doing right on your street, how long they're staying on the market, how fast they're closing. Brian and Terry possess all the analytics that you want from your realtor in 2023. Give him a call at 662-449-1700. Call Brian directly on his cell phone at 901-461-7653. That's 461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. You can also do a full home search at their award-winning website, teamcouch.com. Again, that's teamcouch.com. 
With a large decision like your home, you want to work with the best, and the best in DeSoto County continues to be Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Again, 662-449-1700. And podcast listeners, always remember, every home needs a couch. As we joked moments ago, good to be coming to you from the Mobile Cars and Van Rental Studios on this, uh, well, relatively dry Wednesday. Mobile Cars and Vans located the corner from a Kraken and Commerce right behind the large BP station right there next to I-55. Cars, trucks, vans. We work with body shops, insurance companies. If you are in need of a, if you have an insurance claim and you need to turn your car into a body shop in South Haven, Hernando, anywhere around the area, we can certainly help with that. We work with all major brands, State Farm, Farm Bureau, Progressive, Geico, all the big companies we're currently working with for mobile cars and vans. If you are traveling for this summer, whether you're traveling for with four people or 14 people, you want to go ahead and reach out to us at Mobile Cars and Vans. As I mentioned moments ago, we booked over 30 vans in the last seven days for summer trips. Really exciting time at Mobile Cars and Vans. Give us a call, 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. Give us a call. Let us be a part of your summer travel plans. Mobile Cars and Vans. Well, Derek, as we talked since our last show, you went down, visited family. I had a chance to visit family. NCAA tournaments going on. Ole Miss uh, Lady Basketball. Are doing well. Doing, doing okay. Well. Yeah, we got to, got, to get to, got to play one more game. And, at least one more game. At least one more game. Keep playing. And we've been promising for a while that we're going to talk a little bit about uh, spring sports uh, after spring break. And we have some updates on that when it comes to the teams that we cover, the local schools that we cover, all those young people fighting so hard for their teams each and every week. So we'll talk more about that towards the end. But, Derek, as I, as I mentioned moments ago, an Alderman meeting happened since our last show. Go ahead and catch us up on that. Well, Matt, since our last show, the uh, Alderman meeting, not, not very long. Uh, I think last time it was two hours. This time, uh, less right at 30 minutes, less than 30 there minutes. So a very easy one to kind of sit down and watch. Um, just really a couple things that happened. One thing that was tabled that probably could have taken longer, maybe even doubled the length of the meeting, the Creekside Height Variance. This is a request for a variance to the allowable height uh, on the north side of Creekside Boulevard. This is a hotel that's going in right next to Muddy's, basically. They were asking for a, a variance of up to 65 feet, I believe, which is uh, – 30 feet above the current uh, allowable height. You know where that ball field is? Yeah. I believe it's where that ball field oh, is. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, and so they're looking to do that. Right? You know, they're, they're going to come, but they're asking for a height variance. Yeah. And they have tabled that until April 4th. Okay. Uh, so it will be tabled. So, you, you know, know, some people tell us we don't need any hotels in Hernando. Some people Man, mention that. They, they do mention that. Uh, every time I hear the word hotel, I just want to say motel that follows it. And then <laughs> always after that, a Holiday Inn. Yeah. Not a sponsor. Not There's a sponsor. A, yeah, not a sponsor. I, I think a Holiday Inn Express, isn't that going right behind? That's the one going behind AT&T. Am I right? AT&T and, and Pizza Hut? Man, I don't want to speak out of turn. Sports I, don't know I think I'm right. Well, if it is, then that's even better. There we go. It's even better with the song. Anyway, but that's been tabled to, to uh, April 4th, so we will discuss that uh, on our next show. Uh, so the really the, the main thing that was talked about were uh, two things. And the first was a public works. The city paving plan is in progress. They have uh, still $900,000 left to spend and contracts ready to go. If they can get the asphalt plants opened up, unfortunately, with the you know we get up to seventy at the end of February, they get ready to open back up, and we're back in the twenties again. Wow, yeah. Uh, Joe Frank, uh, the city engineer, mentioned that what the plants want to see, they want it to be as warm as possible, and the city itself will not pave if the temperatures are basically forty-five and fifty or less. Right. So you know we've had several nights like that over the last week or so, and so they've been unable to complete those. They do have it ready. They do have them to. So what the Alderman went ahead and did. They took every job that is under that nine hundred thousand dollars that they have left. That was right. on the, the thing we've discussed before. Went ahead and gave, uh, just did a blanket approval for Joe Frank to put all those out to bid. Yeah. 
So we can go ahead and get those back. And then once the, the plants turn back on, we're ready to go, can get it done, you know, sometime by the by the summer, was, uh, hopefully. Was it a coincidence that five of the seven aldermen, uh, they're paving their own streets? <laughs> was, that, was that a coincidence? Total I cannot, coincidence. I, look, I, I won't know. I, I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not saying that has not happened. Right. I'm just saying that it's, I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, they did mention that the industrial drive and the Vaden Road will be the first one. That was one that was approved separately because it's sure. a much larger amount. That one is ready to go as soon as the plants turn on. That's yeah. the first one they're going to start on. Vaden Drive needs it really, really bad. Yep, but it, and it's coming. It's coming. Yes. So everybody that uses that as a cut through uh, for the city east to west, uh, be patient because as soon as they can get it, they will put it in. The other main thing that was discussed, that was the public hearing for a proposed city wards redistricting plan for the city of Hernando. Toby Sanford, the GIS developer of the Golden Triangle Development Company, uh, out of obviously somewhere in the Columbus or Startville, somewhere in the Golden Triangle, yep. um, he, they de- he developed three plans for the city. This was mentioned approximately six months ago, I guess. They kind of asked him to do this. And he's bringing it back. This is, uh, of course, uh, in line with the new 2020 census. Now, some of y'all may be confused saying, hey, we just did this. We did off of the 2010 census. We're now having it done for the 2020 census so we can actually be within, you know, only three years now since that's actually, I guess, about a year, year and a half since we received the numbers. One of the first topics we talked about on the UTW podcast when we started in 2020 was that. Yeah, it's, it's, hey, we're way behind on this. we got to get this done. <laughs> so they're doing it now. Um, they had three plans. Plan one, okay, and there were two wards when you added that that were that caused a 10% deviation uh, from the ideal number per ward. And being at 10%, that means that we're out of compliance. We have yes. to get it under 10%. So he proposed three plans. Plan one got the deviation down to 5.31%. Plan two got it down to 9.14%. And plan three got it down to 6.34%. Now, they tried their best to keep the neighborhoods together to make it easier for the residents to know where they will vote because, unfortunately, in the last one, I think part of the country club voted in one. The other other part voted in, like, I think one was in three, the other one was in six. You had some areas down on Conger Park. Some were voting in two, some were voting in five. Uh, and then there was a, a place up north. Uh, some were voting in one, some were voting in six. So they're trying to make it, you know, maybe McInvale would be the border as, as clear as possible. Weren't able to completely get every subdivision, but as close as they could. And they all had basically seen the plan. They have discussed it. Not all seven of them together. They kept it, but, you know, by text, by emails. Hey, what do you think of this one? And they had kind of predetermined which one they liked the best. They mentioned, yeah, we've, we've seen all these. Plan three mm-hmm. is what they voted on. Trace. Uh, plan trace. Uh, so anybody that wants to know, I'm going to uh, briefly bring out my, my pages here, Matt. I've got well, Derek, Derek, pages. Well, Derek, why you do that, real quick, why you yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, and look, we learned from the pennies in the park, the voting and the precincts are, are really important, especially after we learned that one of our wards consi- one of our wards uh, had part of Millington in it. <laughs> <laughs> so that this is never more important. I mean, when Millington is voting in our pennies for the park elections, now, um, th- those carnival good. addresses they're really close. I'm, I'm they're really close. I'm just saying. Right. Uh, well, like I said, whenever I was at the uh, armory that day and I saw bumper stickers that had Germantown High School on it, it was it was it was weird. <laughs> uh, Matt, it, surprisingly, our district, uh, our ward, District Three, Ward Three, had the lowest. Like it was the uh, most. Below Impressive? the ideal. Oh, no, I, I see. Oh, I got you. Not most below. So the ideal number is two thousand eight fifty six per ward. We were actually at twenty twenty four ninety six, which is you know. So we had lost some you know, because of the the restructuring and the way the movement of the population has gone. We actually lost some. So we needed to gain some houses. Uh, whereas um, districts one and districts three were the one causing the overages. So 
excuse me, District 1 was the main one causing the overages, and so that one needed to be shrunk along with you know, moving some other stuff around. So Plan 3, again, was the one that they made the motion for. Plan 3, that the they're basically every district is between – 3% over or 3% under. So very, very close to ideal. Uh, it actually brings our ward to within 50 of the ideal range. The one that's most out of range would be Ward 5 at 93 below. So really not that bad because right now, as I said, our ward is 360 below under the current one. Uh, and the, the changes that are made real quick, um, if you'll give me just a second, sure. Ward 3. So basically the entire um, country club will now be in Ward 3. So those that voted very close to the green T, Mackinville um, T, I guess, or, or the intersection, they will now, the ones that were on the left side of the road, if you're going north, those will now be voting in three, take, coming out of Ward 6. Also Ward 6, again, Ward, um, they are taking over some of Ward 1. Ward 1, of course, had the most residents. They're taking over at uh, basically up by Nesbitt. So if you go up 55, everything from the fire station, it looks like, and north, will now be, or most of that will now be considered uh, into Ward 6. Um, so that was some of the changes in, in that. And then on the southern side, uh, Ward 5, everything west of Railroad Avenue will now be Ward 2. And then there was a little funky thing that shot up that was uh, in Ward 5 that shot up into Ward 4. They corrected that kind of in that terror road. Some of that was voting in uh, 4. Some of that was voting in 5. Now that's all going to be voting in 4. Most. And then you know where this is. So you know where uh, on Elm Street, uh, across the street, they had that like the little circle that kind of goes around. Sure. I think somebody we know has a rental house right there. Yeah. That area right there has been voting in Ward 4. That will now be voting on Ward 1. That's uh, Alderwoman Lynch will pick up some of those uh, as her constituents. So that's just some of the changes that were made. Again, that was voted on. It was shockingly approved unanimously. Unanimous approval. There are done. No, so this is good for 10 years. This is good. In t- yes, until so the next 2030 census. census. That's, that's correct. 2030 census. Wow. Okay, good. So that's the voting precincts are set for the next uh, seven years. Uh, and they're going to look, uh, they did mention uh, that the will be looked at uh, on the April 4th meeting, the next meeting. They're going to try to see if they can have new precincts set up for the election. Go ahead and get those approved. Go ahead and get you know uh, bring it before on the agenda to talk about that. Going to have some suggestions because they need to have those approved quickly. Like uh, all you know, wards four and six actually voted together. Yeah. Now that this is really kind of separating some stuff out, that doesn't make any sense to do it that way anymore. So they got to pick up some areas. Going to bring it before the aldermen to discuss next time. If they can get that approved, the new cards will go out as soon as possible because right. we do have elections in August. Uh, if for some reason this thing drags in the summertime, they will wait. Uh, on those precinct changes until after November. So, but uh, hopefully we can go. Ahead, they can go ahead and get this done. And some of y'all may be getting new cards to tell you where you to vote in August and November. Well, Derek, as you mentioned, that's about a thirty-minute alderman meeting, and that was most of the uh, the discussion. So that wraps up a pretty simple second alderman meeting in the month of March for the city of Hernando. And you know, Derek, you just mentioned elections. Something happened since our last show when it comes to elections right here in Hernando. Give us an update on that. So Mississippi State Representative Steve Hopkins uh, informed DeSoto County News. I do want to give that shout out to DeSoto County News. Uh, Bob Backen does a great job over there. Uh, exclusively last Wednesday that he has suspended his campaign for state senate. As part of his announcement, Hopkins said he'll be focusing more time in aiding the conservative coalition of Mississippi that he is part of, which helps elect candidates it supports for the state legislature by the 2027 election. Hopkins thanked his friends, family, and supporters who stood by him as he transitioned first from not running to then running 
to not run it again. So him pulling out, uh, also the, the Democrat that was thinking about or had decided to run also had pulled out literally after the filing uh, date back in February, February 1st or January 31st. Uh, and so that means that current Senator Mike McClendon is now unopposed, now running unopposed uh, for the uh, August I guess, primary uh, and the November election. Interesting. So, look, I've said it to you off air. Uh, you and I both know Mr. Mike. He's been on the show before. Um, having a your state senator that lives in downtown Hernando, I feel like, is a very good thing. And uh, I am happy about that. He lives under the water tower. He loves Hernando. He's talked about it on this show and other places. And, um, you know, I think it's a big deal that our state senator for at least the next four more years. For, yeah, four more years we'll be living here in the city of Fernando. Maybe by 2034 we'll have a new overpass <laughs> right there by the mobile cars uh, and van rural studio. If you if you could tell me that would happen, I would take that right now because at least it would be guaranteed. That's true, guaranteed. <laughs> have you noticed the guys that are down here cutting the uh, the the trees? Have you seen that yeah. yet? Going down that yeah. way towards the armory and stuff like that. I don't know how far they're going, but man, what a tedious project yeah. that it is right there. They're staying on this side of the fence, but if you're going up Mackinville, they're going you know underbrush by underbrush and limb by limb. It's like man, I, I've watched for the last three days and i'm like that is not my cup of tea no because i mean well you know we are lucky though because most cities they would just whole you know whole cut those pine trees sure. down and hernando made a big deal about hey we, we want to keep these at our intersection right. that's sort of thing. at least they're keeping the trees because they could just yeah i mean there, there are other like exits or intersect or, or, or exit ramps that have just completely been sure. obliterated of trees. Well, well again Derek, i mean they were not compelled to Okay, they were not compelled to do that. Okay, <laughs> well, and they kept it the way it is. You know, we, and, we are and all of the our, listeners of the podcast know exactly what hey, I'm talking we're strong, about. We're they were not compelled to cut all the trees down. Our okay? tree ordinances are strong. We, we, got, we, we, we are very, Tree City USA, and if we don't win the Tree City USA award, we will we will uh, simply change the Arbor Day date. <laughs> And we'll do Arbor Day four times a year until <laughs> nobody loves trees more than the city of Fernando. Uh, that's for sure. So, again, as you just mentioned, Mike McClendon unopposed, which means our state senator will live here uh, for another four years. Well, five years because it's election as well. So yeah, I mean, five I, this, years. This year, I mean, yeah. it's not even close so, to being over yet. So, this is a good thing. So, look, Mike's going to be driving down to Jackson quite a bit. And one way to get to Jackson without using a bunch of gas is possibly to use an electric car. The most famous electric cars in the world are Teslas. Um, but doing business right here in the state of Mississippi for Tesla and Tesla owners has gotten a bit uh, different. Tell us a quick update on that. So, on Tuesday, Mississippi Governor Tate Reese signed House Bill 401 into law, essentially preventing the direct sale of a vehicle and requiring a manufacturer to establish a franchise dealership model. Specifically, the bill provides exceptions under which a motor vehicle manufacturer is eligible to own any interest in, operate, or control a motor vehicle dealer or dealership, apply for a motor vehicle dealer's license, or be licensed as a new motor vehicle dealer in the state. Now, House Bill 401, authored by State Representative Trey Lamar, who's from Senatobia, also specifies in the exception that state law shall not be construed to prohibit ownership, operation, or control by a manufacturer or subsidiary thereof who has met certain conditions to receive a license as a motor vehicle dealership. The legislation passed the House by a vote of 105 to 9 and the Senate by a vote of 38 to 14. So basically, Matt, in summary, you cannot buy a car directly from the manufacturer in the state of Mississippi. You have to go through the dealership which in this, I mean, basically, it, there's no other way to say it. You basically have to go through the middleman. Right. You have to go through the middleman. Let me, so let me, like the, the people that work at Nissan, they get discounts and stuff like that, but they still have to go to dealership. a dealership? Nissan dealership. All right. So 
the reason this is a big deal or, or it even got brought up is because Tesla operates differently than most car companies and people you could order directly from them. That's not the case anymore. No, in, not, not in, in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, not in Mississippi. So, you know, now, and people have argued. I talked to some people, um, talked to some representatives, uh, and asked them. I said, "Why would you know? I don't understand. Right. Why would you not want the people? And if we're a true." You know, and especially, and, and I will say this: if you're a conservative, if you're a Republican, you you know you want to say, okay, capitalism rules, right? right well, sure. if capitalism is, I can buy a car cheaper from the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Why would I go through a middleman? Mm-hmm. I mean, we you know we we bypass uh, stores in town to get it through Amazon sure, and have it course. tomorrow. You know, all that kind of stuff. Or I buy it from eBay. What, so why do I have to go through a store to buy this car if the manufacturer itself is a you know multi-billion-dollar company that can easily ship it to my house? Sure. Um, and they said because of what dealerships provide. Okay. And they gave examples from like, well, they, they gave examples like how much money does All-Star Chevrolet or how much money does um, Cannon Brothers or something like that. Cannon Brothers yeah. or, or Jimmy Gray or anybody sure. like that. Okay. How much do they contribute back to this community? Okay. So like, you know, how many things have they sponsored at schools? How many things have they sponsored golf tournament wise? How many, what all do they provide the community that if they did not exist or they did not have a, a way to exist, in other words, if the middleman went away, right. then would Ford, would Chevy, would Tesla sponsor high school you know, sports? Would they okay. All that kind of stuff. Okay. That's the reasoning from them voting for this bill. Okay. So if you're a car dealership, you do have local ties, and I'm sure you do all those things because you want people to come into your dealership sure. to buy your cars, and you say, so yeah, that's a lot of jobs lost if you can – buy directly from the manufacturer i completely understand that but uh, that's we shop capitalism. From Am- right we shop from amazon right now that's and, capitalism yeah. that, sure. that, that's i, I mean it, if anything else if you can go direct to the to the, to the manufacturer and get it yeah and it's, it's something else especially that specialized vehicle does that make yeah. sense i mean yeah. that's a that's a yeah anyway so yeah i don't know how many tesla so now owners. tesla would have to set up a tesla Which dealership I think they did right brandon um, one in Brandon. And, and, and there may be one yeah. in Brandon, but they have to do it with an, an like an independent dealer. It cannot right. be Tesla. Right. It can't be Elon Musk op- operating a store, and you walk in and there's Elon. He sells you a car because sure. that's not. It has to be a middleman. It has to be a separate thing that you have to go and buy it from them. So they're buying it from Tesla, and then you're buying it from them. And obviously, there's markups along the way. So uh, however we, you come down, that's why it was done that way. That's why it was voted. That's why you have people voting against it uh, on both the House and yeah. the Senate side. Um, but it is all now that you cannot you cannot go straight to the manufacturer. Well, there you go. Any of our podcast listeners that are interested in a Tesla, uh, is there one in Memphis? Not yet, right? There's no, not, not, no, that not in Memphis. Okay. If you're in the state of Mississippi and want to own one, you got to go to Brandon. From what I think, I, I think I read that uh, just the other day. And there, you mentioned just a second ago one of the things one of the things that happen at dealerships and car dealerships is uh, they're going to have markups. And uh, right now is a very interesting time for used cars. Uh, you know, retail. I mean, there's there's car dealerships marking up a record amount when it comes to things and that's going to be all income and if they're wanting to do their taxes this year in 2023 for fiscal year 2022 they have a couple more days tell us about that all right so due to april 15th 2023 falling on a saturday and that the first weekday following that saturday is being observed as emancipation day in washington dc what is that emancipation emancipation day Day? emancipation day in washington dc i've never heard of that well, it's just in Washington D.C. Just in Washington D.C. Just in Washington D.C. The twenty twenty three. Wait, wait, wait. The federal government is off on the, that day. No, no, not the federal government. Just the, just D.C. Well, I guess maybe the federal government. I guess maybe 
the Pentagon federal government. Hang I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Go ahead. I, you, while you read, okay. I'm looking up Emancipation Day because okay. I haven't heard that. Has been pushed back to Tuesday, April 18th. The Internal Revenue Service says that by law, holidays observed in Washington, D.C. impact tax deadlines in the same way federal holidays will. So again, it is not a federal holiday. In a statement, the IRS noted that due to tax law changes, such as the elimination of the advanced, advanced child tax credit and no recovery rebate credit this year to claim pandemic-related stimulus payments, many tax payers may find their refunds will be lower. The Mississippi Department of Revenue has followed suit with the filing deadline change, placing the state's income tax filing deadline on April 18th as well, even though Mississippi has no holiday uh, in regards to the 17th, which is the Monday. So again, you have till Tuesday, April 18th of this year to file your taxes. Yeah, I'm reading right here. April 16th, 1862 marks the abolition of slavery in the District of Columbia. Over 3,000 enslaved persons were freed eight months before the Emancipation Proclamation. Wow. Interesting. There you, go. there you go. Did not know that. So it's something they celebrate locally because the IRS right. is located in D.C. I so, guess they get that day off. So, well, Derek, before we leave our first local segment and, and that type of stuff, a lot of stuff since our last show has been happening, and you being in the banking industry um, wanted to talk briefly about some rates and different things. Uh, you know, our thousands of listeners may be afraid right now when it comes to banks and all the different things they're hearing. So in your calming banker voice, tell us what happened since our last show. All right. Since our last show, um, there's been, I hopefully everybody's paying attention to the news. There have been several banks that have failed. Silvergate Capital, which was mostly due to Bitcoin issues and kind of uh, some Bitcoin, all the FTX uh, fraud stuff going on with that. We've had uh, SVB, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, which failed. That was mainly due to tech and startup, as a tech and startup bank. So it was having to do with a lot with uh, depositors coming to get their money, uh, but along with the poor uh, investment uh, of those deposits by the the bank leadership. Uh, Signature Bank, which was a New York-based bank dealing with both of those issues, uh, they all collapsed. And then, of course, the unlimited guarantees for depositors of those banks. So we've had a lot of issues um, with that. And and again, there's there's maybe some more coming. There's a couple banks they're still looking at. Uh, And so the the newest one, I guess the most recent one, of course, was the UBS having to buy out Credit Suisse to prevent it from collapsing. It was a a discounted $3 billion takeover that allowed UBS to purchase its main rival for a severe discount. All of that, I do want to say, first of all, the banks that are here in Hernando, Mississippi, uh, and I do work for a bank, but I'm speaking about all the banks, uh, they are, you know, for what I know, at least from the public ones, uh, there are some private banks around here too, so I can't speak to them directly. Although I would think that they, you know, don't have a lot of exposure to Bitcoin and tech, uh, and then you know how they have invested their treasuries may be another thing. But uh, the ones that are public are in good shape. Um, you know, they are, uh, most regional banks are in good shape. Um, you know, most of them have their their money out in loans. This is not a loan issue. This is not failing loans. Uh, this is uh, banks who have chosen the ones that have failed or have chosen to deal even with a specific industry uh, that is struggling real big right now. The uh, all of the venture capitalists are really struggling. Uh, there's not a lot of deals going on right now. Uh, and then, so they're looking to get their money back out of the bank to continue to fund their ventures since they can't get new money, um, or try to you know eat, stay alive, or shut down whatever they want to do. And then the other issue was um, is the treasuries that they invested in. So these banks, if you can't loan the money out, you got to put the money somewhere. You want to earn a little bit on it. Well, they were taking short term money, checking account, savings account. And they were investing it in long-term bonds, so like a one, two, or three-year bond, because you know up until 12 months ago, short-term rates were basically zero, so they were at least getting like one percent, maybe two percent, you know, returns on those treasuries that they couldn't lend out. Well, because rates you know went up five percent in 12 months, 
those short term the, the short term rates were now five percent, right? The long term rates that they had put in for two or three years were still at two percent. Well, if you have a five percent, if if bonds are now five and the bonds that you hold are now two, people, your bonds are not worth anything, right? They're worth a, a significant amount less because you could take that money, sell those bonds, and buy 5% bonds. The problem was you have to realize that 3% loss. So as people started to realize that, they had to start selling these bonds off. It's like, look, these people, these tech people are coming to get their money. We can't, we can't, we don't have enough money, you know, cash on hand. We got to sell these treasuries, getting their money back. Well, they're taking 3% hits or whatever that spread was on every bond they sold at hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. And they were recognizing, I think they ended up recognizing a Silicon Valley Bank did a $1.8 billion treasury loss. This was not loan losses. This was nothing they other than they poorly managed where they had stored their money. And what, again, treasuries are the safest things out there. The only thing, the, the only way you can lose money on a treasury is two things. Either you bond, you buy the wrong duration, which they did, or the federal government fails. So they are the safest play. It's just they picked the wrong duration, and they got hammered on it. But trying to earn a little more than they should have because, again, taking short-term money and putting it in long-term things, that is not the way you should invest your money if you're you know, trying to be safe and sound like banks are supposed to be. Short-term should go to short-term. Now, if you have a fixed-rate CD, if you have a five-year loan, you could maybe put that, you know, do something with that, try to match fund that on a five-year rate. A lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. I don't want to bore people too much. But that is why those banks are failing. Uh, I just want to say, first of all, that the banks around here, uh, I think several have come out and said, hey, look, you know, we only had like 15% of our money in treasuries. A lot of ours are loaned out, and the money that we have are you know, basically on you know, six, maybe six months or less, all marked to market, which means that they show unrealized losses on their balance sheets. So you know, even if we had to sell these, you would know how it would affect us. So factor that into whatever you want to factor it into. The banks around here, to just be real simple, they're way more conservative. Yes, they're way, way more, more conservative. conservative. That's Katie's Bank. real Southern banks. Now, that's Cadence right? Bank. Southern I'll, banks are going to be yeah, more conservative. Yeah, Cadence Bank, uh, all the ones, and that, that's my bank. I want to, you know, full disclosure. Uh, but, you know, Regions is getting hammered. I mean, from what, what we can tell, Regions is pretty good. Um, you know, I, some of them are private. Like bank Plus is private. Guarantee is private. I can't speak to them specifically. Trustmark is in good shape. Right. Now, the one that has taken a really big hit, and I don't want to speak to, or I want to say negative or positive, First Horizon, because their deal with TD Waterhouse went away. It, 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 was, uh, it was rejected. It was rejected. Yeah, wow, and so okay. that no longer is taking place. So they took a hit on that. Yeah. I don't know where their financials are. Gotcha. And so there's a lot of stuff going on there. So their stock's really getting, getting hammered. Anyway, just want to say that that is what's kind of going on. There's, there's, I want to recommend a podcast. Uh, I don't normally do that because we are a podcast. But this is a national podcast called Plain English. And he has done – his name is his name is Derek, uh, which is, uh, I guess, by coincidence. But um, he's done a two or three wonderful, wonderful uh, podcasts about this, talking to people at different places. And it is very well explained, very well put. Um, it is, you know, that he does cuss. So if, if you, you know, not a lot, <laughs> but I mean, they, they do drop a couple of, of bombs here and there. It's Just, hard not to when you're talking about the government yeah. and federal money. And so anyway, I, I do recommend, look up Plain English. Uh, he does, he, he writes for the Atlantic. He's a very, very brilliant journalist. Uh, but he's done a lot of good stuff. But p- please go to him. I mean, he's he does lean to the uh, to the, the, the liberal. He is more liberal, but I think he's got some really good takes.